0: We've been in Romans for a while. In Romans, if you remember, it is a combined church. It is a combination of Jews and Gentiles, a combination of folk in Rome who's come together. There are Jews that are there who have heard the message of Paul about grace, and they have come over to accept the grace that Jesus had come to give. There are some Jews that are there who are converts, converts, but they're still holding on to tradition, tradition that men need to be circumcised. They're still holding on to the the law, to the Torah. Then there are Gentiles that are there in Rome with the Jews in the church. And the Gentiles are the ones also receive the message of grace from Paul. And they're there. But there's also some Gentiles who had been there for a while, who had taken on the custom and the tradition of the Jews, who had been circumcised. So you have all of this combined church at Rome, Jews and Gentiles. Can we just call it a combined church of rich and poor? A combined church of black and white? A combined church of male and female? A combined church of those who know who want to know? A place where community, we all can come together in the space at the right time, in the right place, with the right attitude. So here we are. It was Romans 1 we talked about, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We talked about in Romans 3, he says, look, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None is righteous. No, not one. So the question is, who do we think we are? We don't have it all together either. Romans 6, we talked about it last week. There is therefore no condemnation. But shall we continue in sin that grace will continue? No. No condemnation. Romans 10, it talked about, listen, how, how, can, you, how can you hear without a preacher? How can they preach except they be sent? So, for us, we need to hear the good news. And I can just say this right now there's going to be both challenge and encouragement. If you allow for the word of God to challenge, if we allow for the word of God to challenge us, just maybe we could leave here a little bit different. Paul may have planted, Apollos may have watered, but God bring the increase. Are you ready? All right, so Romans 12, it's a lot, but here's where we're gonna go. In Romans 12, if we can get this to click over, the idea here for all of us is to rise up. Men, we have some amazing, amazing women in this community. And women, before I talk about men, just know that I am seeing you. We are seeing you. And women, you are strong. And I don't know if you understand that we see the strength you have in family, the strength you have in community. Women, the strength you have in in our community, but also in the family. Women, we see you. But on this Father's Day, men, I want you to rise up. Rise up in such a way that you know and understand the role that God has called all of us as men to rise up, literally and figuratively. So what does it mean to rise up? It means to ascend. Man, we got to start to, to rise. We got to start to take a stand. If you hear today, man, I'm saying to all of us, it's time. Maybe you hear here and say, well, Pastor Brown, you don't know. I've been rising up. I've been standing on what I know about the Lord. I've been doing those things. And I'm saying, listen, God be praised. But there's some of us that are here, right here. Right Come on, right here. Right and we're ready. God says, rise up. It's time to get up and get going. Because what God has for us in community is going to take all of us, every man, every person, every individual, to stand on what they know about the word of God. It's time to rise up come to the surface well how's that rising up because you know how easy it is to to be in the right place in the right space but still be hiding that you're 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 standing forth you you're stepping up but you're still hiding because you're still holding on what is it that you're holding on to that's part of your past that won't let you rise up and surrender What is it that is still holding on to a reputation, a thing that you've done, something that keeps holding you down that won't allow you to fully empty yourself? If you're here this morning, I want to make a compelling argument. That's why you should empty yourself. Why now? Why after all you've been through? Why after all you've endured? Yes, maybe for you it's the pain that you're holding on to, the pain of someone who hurt you. Pain of a father. Pain of a father who wasn't there. And now you, you've held on to the chain of feeling like you're not worthy. Can you free yourself up this morning? Like right here? Yeah. Listen, if you're a male and you're here and your father wasn't there for you, if, you, if you're here today and you know that you struggle, struggled... I'm going to challenge you even now. Will you rise up? Literally. Will you rise up? If you've been wanting to do more for the Lord, if you've been wanting to to give him more than what you're giving him, can you rise up? All we need is one, and once one starts, the others will follow. If you're here today, come on, come on. If you're a man and you're here, or a woman, and you know, if you want to rise up, like right here, you want to, yeah, rise up. Come on. If you' here, you've been in the background, holding on to something, and you've time to rise up while you're, while you're standing, while you're standing, while you're standing. I just want to pray over you right now and let you know. if you rise up, listen, right now, all that the devil took from you. All the pain that you've endured, all of the pressure you're under, all of the situations that you don't know how you're going to get through it, right here, right now, I just pray that God will begin to do a new thing over your life. The fact that you took a stance, the fact that you rose up, the fact that you came from a surface out to the front, I pray right now that your life would change, your family life would change, and whether you stood up or not, <laughs> you can be seated in Yeah, you can be seated. Rise up. Leave the place of sleep. The place where we stay in darkness. The place where we stay comfortable. How comfortable is it to stay in the bed, to stay in a place of comfort that you don't have to rise. Somebody else to do it. How comfortable it is. Now is the time to go from a lower place and a lower position to a higher position. Can you say amen? amen? Now is the time to be awakened, to go to work. Now is the time to walk in the newness of life. Now is the time to do what you said you would do. Rise up, O men of God. So what are we going to do? To rise up. Give up and grow. So that you can grow up and give. So we can get up and go. Give up, not in the sense of quit. Not in the sense of stop trying, stop grinding, stop going. But give up and surrender. How long are we going to hold on and grip life so strong and keep getting the same thing? God is saying, let it go. God is saying to all of us, the only way we can rise up, the only way is to let go some of the things that are holding us down. So give up, give him control. Let him have the wheel. How much can you do on your own? We can't see tomorrow. Rise up. How do we do it? Give in and grow. Then grow up and give so that we can get up and go. Amen? When we give up, we surrender totally. When we grow up, we speak the truth. When we get up, all of us, it's then we stand tall, just like they rose up. You stand tall in your convictions. When we do that, then we can grow and learn. We can give and love. We can go and live the life that God has called us to. In Romans 12, it says to us, and so dear brothers and sisters, Paul says, I plead with you. Dennis, I beg of you. He says, I urge you, he says to all of us, give your bodies to God. Surrender because of all he has done. Give him our lives. And and King James says, look, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. In the days um, of when Paul is writing, they were used to sacrifice. They were used to giving and taking and sacrificing. Sacrificing animals, sacrificing for sin. They understood what it meant for them to sacrifice something. In our day, it's hard for us to really understand. How do we surrender and sacrifice our bodies? How do we give everything? Well, it starts with our mind. He says that he wants us to, to sacrifice, to totally surrender how we think about who we are, how we think about what we're doing. What are we doing? He says to sacrifice is to let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice to be set apart. Listen, if we're here today and we've been doing the same thing we've been doing and it looks no different than anybody else in the world, we're blending in. If we're blending in, then we have not come to the front and we've not risen to where God wants us to be. And so for us, he says, look, give up, surrender totally. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Once we know better, we can do better. If you're here today and you feel like, well, maybe me rising up it's breaking through and coming to a place, to Bible study, to a place where I can reach out and know more about the word of God. I can memorize that scripture that we're talking about. And once I memorize it, it'll be hidden in my heart. And once it's hidden in my heart, then when it comes up in life, I might know how to make a better decision. And I can rise up because the word of God is deep in my heart. He said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Wavering. Unbalanced. Unsure. Instability brings about indecision. It's time to let go and let God rise up. Not only give up, but grow. It says... Don't copy the behavior and the traditions of this world. What is it in your life that you're just going along to get along? What is it are you doing even now on your job, in your neighborhood, in your home, and you're just doing it because everybody else is doing it? And in your heart, you know that there needs to be something different. In your heart, you want to turn from your wicked ways. In your heart, you want to turn back to an almighty God. But because of the the surroundings that you're in, You're conforming to everything that they're doing. You're just following along like sheep to the slaughter. It's time to rise up and take a stand for what you believe. Now is the time. Now is the time to give God everything that we have. So for us, it's time to grow. Give up and grow so that we can get up and go. When we give up and grow, then we can grow up and give. To grow up, for all of us. It's an opportunity for us to not only surrender, but also to speak truth. What is it that you are holding on to because mom and them told you, dad told you that's what you're going with? What is your truth? What are you going to stand on when the time comes? Because all of us have to answer before an almighty God. So it's time for us to grow up so that we can give, and that is to love. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul says, I give each of you this warning: Don't think that you're more than you are. Don't think more highly of yourself. Pride goes before the fall. Hobilm, as people come and as we go, sometimes it's easy to think that we have the answer to everything, because we're a Christian, because we're the child of God, because look at me and how I'm living. We don't know it all, so we can't think we're more than other people, when people come through these doors. When we open up the doors and the community comes in, we are no different. God is not a respective person. Now is the time for us to grow up and not keep doing the same things. Listen, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I reasoned as a child. I did childish things. But when I grew up, when we grow up, when we become a man or a woman. We got to put away childish things. It has to do with how we think about who we are has to do with what we say to other people, what we're speaking about. What what is it that we're saying that we know is not of God? What is it are we doing? Where are we going? It's time to grow up and speak truth. He says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Grow up and speak truth. And in doing so, We'll grow up and speak truth, he says here in Ephesians. He says, look, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown away by every wind of doctrine, by men and women who lie and wait to deceive us. He says, we will speak the truth in love and grow up into Jesus Christ, who's the head of our lives. Speak the truth and grow up. He says to us, don't just pretend to love other people. Really love them. Is there somebody in your life right now? Somebody who's sitting beside you? Somebody who is going to text you and say, Happy Father's Day? Somebody you're going to text and say, Happy Father's Day? And you know, even as you send the text, it's going to be because you feel it's the right thing to do. That you're not going to really be thinking about the adoration. Some of you will, but some of you will do it because you know it's the thing to do. And God is saying, don't pretend. God says, really love them. Go beyond Happy Father's Day. Let them know why you want them to have a Happy Father's Day. Speak to their hearts. Let them know that you appreciate when they took time to pour into you Let them know. Go beyond the, the norm and what is conformed. Go beyond it. Listen, if you sent me a Happy Father's Day, which I've gotten some, I receive it and I thank you. Amen. I am challenged. That when I put the same, that I mean it. That it's not a response to say, oh, thank you and happy Father's Day to you too. Let's not pretend that we love somebody. Let's really love them. Let's love deeply. Let's love unconditionally. Let's reach out when it's not Father's Day, when it's not (laughs) Mother's Day. Let's go beyond. Let's go to a place that the love is so deep and rich that even if you don't say anything, they're not saying, well, why didn't you say Happy Father's Day? Because they know you've been loving them all day, every day. Love deeply suggests as we come together as the people of God and we come together as the church, you're going to give me some grace over and over. You're going to assume the best, even though it may not come out the way I intended. You're going to give me the love and the grace and the space to fall and you're going to pick me back up. We're talking about community. We're talking about the church. We're talking about loving each other, loving the brethren, loving in a way that we can give God glory. But not only do we love each other we got to be able to love our enemies can somebody say oh oh no. well because it's a oh oh bless those who persecute you love your enemies and I knew I knew I needed some help so that we can love our enemies and I got some help Jed will you help me with this Absolutely. come on give Jed a hand
1: a clap of praise amen yeah. Hello, Hope Elam. You know, it's so interesting. I was just standing over here, right, singing with a microphone and everything like that, right in front of the same crowd, and I was not nervous then. Now I just move over a foot, and all of a sudden I'm nervous. Go figure. When I was looking at this scripture, I could not help but think of King David. And King David was known as a lot of different things. There are a lot of different things that characterized his life. One of the first things that people think of is that he was a great warrior. I think probably all of us know, even if you have never been to church before, maybe this is your first time, you probably still know the story of David and Goliath. And there are so many military victories in the scripture when it comes to King David. But he was also a worshiper. It was something that defined his life in an extraordinary way. One of the first times we see King David, he's actually playing the harp for King Saul. He wrote a huge amount of the Psalms that are in the Bible. You can think of the Psalms as like their version of worship music or gospel music at the time. We see him uh, dancing in an undignified fashion for all of Jerusalem to see as the Ark of the Covenant is returning to Jerusalem David was a worshiper. There's something else that characterized David's life. And if you've been doing the Old Testament reading tracks, you've probably seen this. David had a tendency to love those that hated him. One of the first things we see is when he is with uh, King Saul. At one point in time, King Saul was supposed to be his father-in-law, and um, it had to have been a really weird family dynamic when all of a sudden Saul grows a hatred for David, so much so that he is hunting him. He's taking the armies of Israel to try to hunt King David. And when David finds Saul vulnerable in a cave, in a cave, he has the advantage. He does not take revenge. On on Saul. Instead, David spares Saul's life. He shows him a genuine affection, a real love. This is not a love that's pretending. Later on, after King Saul dies and David is appointed as king, one of the first things that David tries to do is like, who is a descendant of Saul? Who is a descendant of the man who tried to hunt me down and kill me? Because I want to show him kindness. Because I want to to show him love. Later on, uh, I, uh, later on he finds uh, the grandson of Saul, one last of his descendants, and his name was uh, uh, Mephibosheth. And it says in 2 Samuel 9 uh, verse 13, uh, And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly. At the king's table. Like these two had dinner together. We're seeing a king showing love to someone that the world says he should hate. That is extraordinary. That's amazing. That is countercultural and counterintuitive. And this pattern did not stop there in David's life. Later on, uh, David had a son named Absalom, and Absalom grows a hatred for his own father. Very awkward Father's Day, I'm sure, for David. It's so much so that that Absalom raises up an army and tries to overthrow King David, overthrow his own father. And the whole time, David instructs all of his generals and his army to treat Absalom gently. And later, after Absalom had died, he was mourning him. And one of King David's uh, one of King David's advisors tells King David, it is as if you love those who hate you. It's in uh, uh, 2 Samuel 19, verse 6. It's as if you love those who hate you. And for me, after reading the New Testament and after reading the life of Jesus, I see that and I think like, oh, this is like, he's praising David for being so godly. And then you read the rest of the chapter, it's like, oh no, he's not. He's criticizing him. He's saying, hey, you love your enemies and it's really bad for morale. You're, You're a military leader. You, you, You need to stop this. But instead, the king has a deep affection and a real love for those who hate him. So this person who was both a worshiper and someone who loved his enemies had both of these characteristics in his life, and I don't think that is an accident. I think when we are here worshiping God, we experience the presence of God like David did. And we have an opportunity to know the heart of God like David did, that it changes us, that it transforms us, and we become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because David spent so much time worshiping his God, he started to not just sing songs and and let that just stay in a certain building with a certain group of people, But when he went out into real life and when his faith was tested, he would love those who hated him. He would show them a genuine affection that could not be faked. When we love our enemies, that is when worship meets real life. It is that moment that we love our enemies, our faith and our worship and our adoration of God becomes real real and it spreads to someone else. So in a way you can think of it as that is in some ways kind of the ultimate form of worship. The moment where we experience hatred and we return it with a genuine affection and a real love. As we, I love every opportunity we have to worship here together as a church and a body. It is one of my favorite things throughout the entire week. But I also know that as we leave this building, We are going to have opportunities to worship our God in a different way. That when we are hated, to show our enemies a love that cannot be faked. Let's not miss out on those opportunities this week. Thanks, church.
0: Love is the only thing that overcomes hate. If I have and speak in all kinds of languages and I can speak like an angel, but if I don't love others, it's like a noisy gong or a clamoring symbol. If, I don't know, if I have all faith that I can move mountains, if I have enough faith that I can change things, I don't love other people, it don't mean anything. If I can prophesy and I know all of the mind of God and I can give everything that I have and give it over to the poor, I can present my body a living sacrifice and surrender everything. But if I don't love each other, if I don't love others, it has no meaning at all. Love transcends hate. And for us, if we're here today, that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. While we were yet sinners— While we were his enemies, Christ died for us. And on this Father's Day, more than anything, he's saying, look, the opportunity is coming, Jed. The moment is coming of what we're going to do. And I'm saying, rise up. Rise up with the way we think. Rise up with the way we return. Do we return evil for evil? Do we start to plot for revenge? Do we start to take it into our own hands? What are we going to do when the moment comes? Because our father says, as I've done, he calls for us to do. And so as we move forward, rise up. It's time to get up and stand tall. He said, look, live in harmony with each other. He says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. So as the people of God, listen, can we just, as people come into this place, and I've said it before, we have a very friendly, welcoming, engaging place. And so if you're visiting, hear me clearly. If you've encountered somebody that's not friendly, welcoming, and engaging, they're probably not a member here. They're visiting. (laughs) Amen? All right. All right. All right. So I'm telling you what I know, and I, listen, from the moment that I stood right about, first I was standing here with my family, and then I stand, stood here. And from the moment I came, September 1st, Hobelum, you've been completely real and not fake. You have been completely welcoming, loving, and kind. That is who we are. We have to be able to allow other people to come in and be in community. One of the missions and visions that I think we ought to add to our mission and vision is that we're the most friendliest, the most welcoming, and the most caring church in the nation. (laughs) Amen. Amen. My heart just overflowed with joy because I really feel as you're clapping, that's who we are. So that's who we need to be. Amen. Amen. So it's time to get up, rise up, stand tall. do not take revenge, my dear friends. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Now it does say that we heap some burning coals on top of their head, burning coals of shame. It makes them compel that if they're going to be that hateful, that much of a bigger, that, that much of a person who is going to do evil. And we're going to return kindness. It should just burn. It should just be a a, a glaring light on that, like, something different about them. And in doing that, it's likely they're going to know more about who you are and what you stand for. So that burning coals of shame, that shame is to turn them to the light of who are you. It's to shine the light, those bright coals is to refine, like, what are you about? I want some of that. So don't worry about it. God don't make mistakes. The righteous fall seven times, but rises again. But the wicked stumble, and in times of calamity, it's time to rise up. Listen, give up, surrender, and grow. So that we can grow up and give, love deeply. So that we can get up, stand up, rise up, so we can go. Go and serve this community. Go and be uh, image bearers of God. Don't worry about taking revenge. God's got you. All things are possible with him. He will fight for you because he's never, ever lost a battle. God is the type of God that no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, he will always be in control. Know that if you're here today and you've been struggling, trying to understand, okay, God, where are you? How do I turn and and, and begin to do something new in my life? How do I manifest something different in my life? Well, here's the thing. It's right here. We've been plotting, trying to do it ourselves, trying to take control, trying to repay, trying to take, take it all in our hands and do it ourselves. And God says, let it go. And today, right here and right now, God says, I got you. Give it to me, he said, because if I, I will avenge. I will pay back. There's no need to worry. Amen? amen? Amen. If you would stand and worship with us, amen, and put your hands together
1: for an almighty God. <laughs> amen. Our church, I'm so glad that our God has never lost, that he is undefeated.